0: Our scripture today will come from Acts chapter 4. We continue our series through the summer, through the book of Acts, so I encourage you to spend some time uh, studying the book of Acts I'm reading it through the week. And while you're turning, I just want to share a couple of thoughts with you, and I try my very best to stay away, as you know, from... Politics in the church, especially uh, uh, partisan politics, you know, it's, uh, God is not so hung up on red and blue as we are, I think. Um, but my job is to teach us about the kingdom of God. And, and so the question is what happens when we look at the kingdom of God and what's happening in our world around us and how do those two things, when they, they bump in together, or how does one influence the other? And the danger of being a pastor is if you say something, for many people to be wrong. And if you don't say anything, for the rest of the people, it'll be wrong. And then no matter what you say, odds are, it'll be wrong. I mean, it, it's it's one of the challenges in our role that, you know, if, if we say, you know, something that was too much and too little, or what I've learned over the years is with the story of the three bears, there are, there are not enough baby bears who go, now that was just right. And so, you know, running the risk of that, I I just... I don't know. We've had a lot of conversation this week among our staff team because you know our staff team is diverse, and that's intentional. And that led to some interesting conversation. Uh, things are different when you have a different perspective, and um, and so we've had some interesting conversation. And we had our annual conference this week. We had interesting conversation and. You know the immigration issue that we deal with in our country today is very complex, and I am not equipped to deal with it and I acknowledge that up front, so I'm not going to say here's the answer and here's the because i I don't know it's 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 complex and I do pray for those who are elected into positions to to help make some of the decisions that have to be made and how they're made and and one of the things I do encourage us as a church to always think about is before we critique, have we knelt down and prayed? Um, I encourage you to do that for me too. You know, Before we critique, have we prayed for that person first? Because there are a lot of people in jobs that I wouldn't have, I wouldn't want. And so I, I hold in my prayer our political leaders, I hold in my prayer our law enforcement officers, many of whom are devout Christians. And it, it's a difficult job trying to discern and trying to figure out what to do because many of the families that that find themselves in this situation are, are seeking a better life for their children, just like we seek for our children. And, and that's part of the struggle, is I try to put myself going, having visited some of these countries, if I could peek over and see another country that would be a blessing for my family, what would I want? What would I, what would I do? We also know that, that some of the people that, that seek to come in are criminals, and some abduct children for their own personal gain, which is heinous. the the challenge of it is is that how do we how do we deal with it how do we figure it out and and the image of children crying at the border uh or across the border even onto the u.s soil has has been challenging and the interesting thing about it is it was one thing that united red and blue and i'm grateful for the executive order that that tried to help put an end to to some of this as i look at children i just want us to be reminded you know children are precious gifts from god and and Jesus said, let the children come to me and, and never forbid them. He also said in Matthew 18, you know, whoever welcomes a child in my name welcomes me. And then he also said, which turns it up a notch, if you put a stumbling block before one of these little ones who believe in me, it'd be better for you if a great millstone was fastened around your neck and you were drowned in the depths of the sea. Now that doesn't sound much like Jesus, but when it comes to children, it just seemed to touch him in a special way. My concern is not... To get into the politics my concern though is when people look at other people as less than people when when people don't see other human beings as human beings when some of the things that are said on all sides and even even at annual conference where the group of churches church people get together clergy and laity there are some things that are said sometimes you're going Man, what, what would Jesus say if he went, there was a meeting of the church and somebody said this in Jesus' name. Whew. I think there are a lot of times that Jesus would go, don't pin that stuff on me. I'm not sure I would, I would say that. I think regardless of how complex the issues are, I just want us to try to remember that Jesus died for the whole world. For God so loved the world, not just us, that he gave his only begotten son. And and where we may see things based on color and socioeconomic status and other things that we put up, God doesn't have the same filters and lenses that we tend to to use. And and we're called to be the church, the hands and feet of Christ and the body of Christ. So the challenge is for us to see as God sees. And that's not always the easiest thing to do. And so one of the, the things I just invite us as a church, and, and I'm I'm speaking to me here because, I mean, I, I wrestle with this, all of us wrestle with this, I think, is, is, is to pray for our leadership across our world. Because it's not only in America. I mean, we turn on the news. It's happening in Europe and other places too that we're trying to figure out how do we do this. And the fact that people feel the need to flee and escape and that there are criminals and coyotes and whatever the things are that we call people nowadays, I mean, doesn't that tell us about the brokenness of our world? Uh, and, and the goal of the church is to try to share good news of the kingdom of God somehow in the midst of the brokenness of this world. And so I, I invite you to pray for the leaders of the world, the leaders of our own country and our own communities. And I want you to pray for those who are being persecuted. I mean, sometimes when we go to our mission churches and, and places where we're in ministry around the world with with families and others is... Many of us have never felt the need to flee. And so we pray for those who are being persecuted and and we pray for those who are seeking the best for their families and we pray that God would convict and touch the hearts of those who abuse others. Um, and so I just, I just invite you again, um, you run the risk when you say anything nowadays because one of the, I think the problems in our culture today is um, if you agree with me, I, you love me. If you disagree with me, you hate me. That's, just the, that's where we are. I can't, I can't talk to you if you disagree with me. Uh, I either love you or I hate you, and it all depends on if we agree. And I think that's just such a sad place that we are in our world today, but it can be different. The other thing I just encourage us to do is, is watch what comes out of our mouths and to see if what comes out of our mouths would be something Jesus would be embarrassed about that the body of Christ might have said. Um, For God so loved the world. Now, that doesn't mean that we don't need to figure out how to deal with borders and how to deal with issues, and I pray for those who have that task on their plate. But the moment we stop seeing people as people that Jesus loved enough to die for, we're no longer seeing as God sees. And that's that's our challenge. Acts chapter 4. While Peter and John were speaking to the people, the priests, the captain of the temple, and the Sadducees, came to them much annoyed, because they were teaching the people and proclaiming that in Jesus there is the resurrection of the dead. So they arrested them, put them into custody until the next day, where it was already evening. But many of those who heard the word believed, and they numbered about 5,000. The next day, their rulers, elders, scribes, assembled in Jerusalem with Annas, the high priest, Caiaphas, John, and Alexander, and all who were of the high priestly family. And when they had made the prisoners stand in their midst, meaning James, Peter and John, they inquired, by what power or by what name did you do this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers of the people and elders, if we are questioned today because of good deed done to someone who was sick, And are asked how this man has been healed. Let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that this man is standing before you in good health by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders. It has become the cornerstone. There is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given among mortals by which we must be saved. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and realized that they were uneducated and ordinary men, they were amazed and recognized them as companions of Jesus. And when they saw the man who had been cured standing beside them, they had nothing to say in opposition, so they ordered them to leave the council while they discussed the matter with one another. They said, what will we do with them? For it's obvious to all who live in Jerusalem that a notable sign has been done through them. We cannot deny it. But to keep it from spreading further among the people, let us warn them to speak no more to anyone in this name. So they called them, ordered them not to speak or to teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered them, Whether it's right in God's sight to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge. For we cannot help from speaking about what we've seen and heard. And after threatening them again, they let them go, finding no way to punish them because of the people. For all of them praised God for what had happened. For the man on whom the sign of healing had been performed was more than 40 years old. Let us pray. God, we give you thanks for your holy word and for this privilege of studying it together. And I, As I stand before these, your people, God, I just pray that that this would be your message and not my own, through the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. You may remember the story we talked about last week. You just turn back a few verses and you'll see where Peter and John were on their way to the temple one afternoon. It was about 3 o'clock in the afternoon. It was time for the afternoon prayer, the time for the sacrifices to be made. And they ran into this beggar, a beggar who had been born lame. And we're told now that he's about 40 years old, or better than 40 years of age, and that every day somebody would lay him there at the entrance to the temple so as people were coming and going to pray, he could ask for offerings. And Peter and John come by, and he goes, Can you help? Alms for the poor. Can you, can you spare a dime for a neighbor? And, and Peter and John stop, and they look at him, and they, they ask him, Look at us. And when their eyes fixed, they said to him, "You know, We don't have any silver or gold. But what we do have, we'll give to you. There's our evangelism moment, by the way. May not have silver or gold, but what I have, I'll give this to you. In the name of Jesus the Christ of Nazareth, stand up and walk. And we're told that all of a sudden is feet became strong, his ankles became strong, and Peter reached down and picked him up and, and lifted him up and now all of a sudden he's standing and, and as soon as he, he gets to where he can walk he, he goes into the temple with him and begins to praise God and people go wow, did you, did you see what? That's the guy, isn't that the guy, that's the guy that's been laying by the gate because if every day somebody was bringing him and he's over 40 years of age, I mean it's been decades that this guy has been laying out there and, and so the people are looking over going, look over there that's those of it's the guy that lays out there, that's, that's the beggar. And, and all of a sudden, the people are coming up and they know that God has done something in their midst. And then the scripture that we, we turn to here says, and that just annoyed the religious leaders. I mean, isn't that amazing to you? God performed a miracle. I am so annoyed. But, but they were annoyed because, you know, they, they, they see, you know, all of a sudden that there's this political power going on. You know, they have their own political power, they have their. The, you know, their prestige and all of a sudden in this name of Jesus something's happening and what really frustrates them is the Sadducees are annoyed because they didn't even believe in the resurrection and so their hope was when they helped plot against Jesus to get him killed that, that if we get this guy dead he'll be dead and done he'll be gone and this, this whole mess of, of, of the people of God following this man who claims to be the Messiah and that others believe to be the Messiah it'll be over man, did their plan go wrong. They had Jesus killed, but three days later, God raises him from the dead. He spends 40 days among the people, and then he ascends into heaven. And now he's gone. Thank God he's finally gone. And then, right outside the temple, somebody heals somebody else in the name of this Jesus Christ that we've done everything we could do to get rid of. And so what do they do? They have Peter and John arrested. I mean, think about that. What's the charges? You healed somebody <laughs> in the name of Jesus. Kept him overnight, kept them overnight, bring him back in, and, and, and then they ask the dumbest question. Any attorney t- will tell you that don't ever ask a question if you don't know the answer because they go, by what power did you do this? Set them up to testify. Set them up. And so they said, well, I'll just tell you right now. This man, and what I think is interesting about this is either that man was also arrested and spent the night with them, or that man that had been healed made sure he was back the next day to be there with the disciples. Either way, it's pretty cool the man standing there. And they look and go, this guy that's standing right here, you know how he's standing here today? was in the name of Jesus, the Christ of Nazareth. And then he says, and here's the deal, you crucified him. But God raised him from the dead, and, and this was the stone that the builders rejected. You, the builders, didn't even want this stone in your building, but God made it the cornerstone. Now, now, what's important about that is as you hear that, is, you know, I love to do building, I love to make things, I love to build things, and uh, you know, just a, a couple of years ago, I, I made the summer project. So, you know, we're going to redo all our decking and, and all that kind of stuff. So we literally stripped everything down, kind of started over and redid. And, and, and any of you that's ever built much, you, do, you know, you better get it squared up. And when you fix that first corner, it better be right because, you know, you might be able to deal with it a little bit early on, but by the time you get to the other end, you're going to be in a mess if you didn't get that first corner squared up right, I mean, you know, I, as we were building, I know I annoyed my family to death because, you know, I'd measure angle, diagonal over here, and I'd go measure over there, move things a little bit, measure, measure, move a little bit, and it's like, come on, let's do, just do Well, if we, if we don't get this right, it's going to be messed up. Well, here's the thing. Peter says this Jesus was a stone that you didn't even want in the building. And God goes, but actually, this is the foundation of it. This is, the, this is the stone that pulls these two walls together. This is what squares up things so that when you get to the other end, you'll be in good shape. And this is actually quoting Psalm 118. In Psalm 118, verse 21, the scripture says, I thank you that you've answered me and have become my salvation. The stone that the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. This is the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in our eyes. In other words, what Peter does standing there in the temple before all the religious leaders is goes back and quotes the Scripture. They knew the Scripture. They knew that that what he just did was, is he went all the way back to the Psalms and said, this is who this is. And Luke tells us as well, that Jesus claimed it for himself. Luke chapter 20, verse 17, when Jesus had shared the parable of the tenants, Jesus then says, but he looked at them and said, what does this text mean? The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This is Jesus himself reaching back, quoting. And Jesus says, this stone you rejected, meaning himself, has become the cornerstone. Peter then later in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 4, will do it again. He says there when he writes to the church, he says, Come to him, a living stone, though rejected by mortals, yet chosen and precious in God's sight. And like living stones, let yourself be built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in Scripture, See, I am laying in Zion, or another name for Jerusalem, a stone, a cornerstone, chosen and precious. And whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. To you then who believe he is precious, but to those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the very head of the corner. So throughout, the scripture reminds us that, that this Jesus... This Jesus is not just to be part of our framework, part of our building, part of who we are. It's the foundation of who we are. It's the corner of who we are. That Jesus is the chief cornerstone that puts everything together. And if you don't get that right, when you get to the other end, it's going to be a mess. So the first and most foremost thing is that that you have this cornerstone in place. And then he backs it up and says, you see there's salvation in no one else. There is not another stone that you can use and come out right. For there is no other name under heaven given among mortals by which we must be saved. The word "saved" is sozo. It means to, to be to, to be saved, offered salvation, forgiveness, to be delivered, to be healed, to be made whole. Sozo. There's no other name under heaven given among. Human beings by which we must be saved. The people look and they go, I don't know what we're going to do here. They couldn't deny that God was doing something, so they just said, We just need you to quit talking about this Jesus. And I love Peter, because Peter goes, I can't help it. That's what he says. Now, that's the paraphrased version, but that's what he said. I can't help it i can't help it because of all that we've seen and have experienced you see peter had been called by him called by jesus was with jesus for the three years of his ministry peter had seen people healed he had heard jesus teaching he had witnessed the crucifixion he had witnessed the resurrection he experienced jesus being with him for 40 days he saw the ascension he experienced the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And now in the name of Jesus Christ, experienced a miracle. And he just said, I can't help it. So here the message for the church. Church, in our lives, Jesus Christ is to be the cornerstone. Jesus Christ is the one that can offer you salvation, completeness, wholeness in who you are. And hear this. If we do not build our lives with the cornerstone being that foundation and that beginning of our individual lives, our lives are just going to be a mess. If you've ever tried to build something and you go, I'll fix it down there, well, I'll fix it down there, well, I'll get it later. I mean, there are some things that, and you builders will know, that the painter just can't get. So you got a true up at the beginning, at the foundation. So I ask you, I ask us, is is Jesus Christ the cornerstone of our lives? And as the church, when Jesus builds the church, and the church is one foundation, the song we sing is Jesus Christ, our Lord, and. And so that's the question as we look at our church. We're talking about you know, the, this new level of the church, this, this new direction, this next phase. And, and we've got consultants coming to talk to us about how are we going to do this? We know we need more education space for our adults and others. And what does the next ministry look like? But the key thing is, if we don't build it on the cornerstone, it'll be a mess by the time we get to the end of it. The cornerstone is Jesus Christ. Some builders don't even want to use it. Jesus said, actually, It's the foundation. It's the foundation. And when we experience that, we just can't help but talk about it today. What was interesting was the Sadducees believed if we can just get this Jesus crucified, it'll all be done. And what was amazing was that after Jesus was crucified and raised from the dead, Jesus continued to be able to work in and among the people just by using his holy name. Just imagine what God can do in our lives and in the life of this church if we build on the cornerstone of who Jesus is and we work in his name. Will you pray with me? God, we're grateful for your love and grace. And God, we just pray now that you would pour out your spirit upon this congregation. And God, we pray that if there's one here today that's just struggling getting their whole building going, struggling getting their life together, struggling figuring out what's going on and what will it look like at the other end, God, we pray that that you would touch their lives today and help them to, to realize the cornerstone is right here. And if they'll just begin and build their lives on this cornerstone, everything will now be true and solid and will come out right. And God, we pray as the church that you would help us to build on this cornerstone as well, that that this would be our foundation, and everything that we build on, and when we do, then as we do, everything will be true and, and right, and you would be glorified. And God, as we experience this salvation and this good news of Jesus Christ, help us to proclaim it. The world wants to tell us, too, you can't talk about that. And help us, your church, to be like Peter. We just can't help it. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Our altar is always open, and, and there's a builder that's waiting for you to help you get your life together. Will you stand as we sing?